Happy New Year from Women and Children First Bookstore. And remember to support your local feminist bookstore in 2020. Hi, hi. This is Kirsten Franklin from Akvavit Theater, Chicago's premier Nordic theater company, wishing you a very happy new year. In 2020, we will be celebrating our 10th season. Keep your eye on our website in the coming weeks for our season announcement. Just visit chicagonordic.org. Happy New Year from Akira and Andersonville. Make sure and stop by in January to check out our awesome semi-annual sale, 5228 North Clark Street. The entire store in January will be on some kind of sale. Come and see us, y'all. Hello, I'm Cody Estel, the Artistic Director at Raven Theatre, and I just want to say Happy New Year to all you Andersonvillians. Hi, this is Celine at Alley Cat Comics, 5304 North Clark Street Rear, here wishing you a Happy New Year and a great 2020. Happy New Year from Oda. We're at 5657 North Clark Street. Happy New Year to all the customers in Andersonville from Cass Harbor. Happy New Year from Five Elements. This is Yao Yu. We're at 5239 Clark Street. Can't wait to see you in 2020. Hey, this is Austin with CBD Kratom in Andersonville at 5303 North Clark. Just wanted to wish everyone a happy and healthy 2020. Stop on by for any and all of your CBD and or Kratom needs. Happy New Year from Matthew and the whole team at the newly expanded Cowboys and Astronauts. Let your soul stand cool and compose before a million universes in this coming year. Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Sarah. Today we are joined by Abigail Watkins and Paul Lee of Dispensary 33. Dispensary 33 made history as the first location in the city of Chicago where one could purchase cannabis legally with a medical cannabis card. They display all marijuana goods to their customers, allowing patients to personally inspect their meds. With a large menu of flowers, extracts, edibles, and topicals, this dispensary has consistently gone above and beyond to help the state's medical marijuana patients safely and affordably access their medicine. Tomorrow, on January 1st, the recreational sale of cannabis becomes legal in Illinois, and Dispensary 33 is one of only three Chicago shops to get a recreational sales permit. Be sure to mark your calendars to queue up to get your weed at 9 a.m. at 5001 North Clark. Well, welcome, Abigail and Paul. How are you both today? Doing good. I'm very good. Happy Thanks for having here. us. Thanks for having us. Great. Well, we are very excited to have you here. Um, we love to start each episode by you just sharing a little bit about yourselves personally and how you ended up at Dispensary 33 and what your road was like to your current roles. Yeah, I started with Dispensary 33 uh, when we opened four years ago. Uh, so, like, you know, uh, we were the first open in Chicago. Um, I was living in Los Angeles at the time um, when my um, uh, friend Richard Park, who is a, uh, you know, consultant for D33, uh, sort of uh, asked me to come back to the city to, you know, work with him on a project. And so, like, that ended up being... Um, you know, the dispensary after, you know, we worked hard on the application, you know, won the license and, and uh, managed to be the first in the city to open. And I've been the general manager and operational manager um, for the last uh, four years. I got connected to the dispensary through my old, old job, actually. Um, I was working at a law firm that does works a lot in regulated industries and the dispensary was a client. And then I from there, did, like I had no idea that I could even pursue a career in cannabis or at a dispensary. Um, so from there, I just like honestly busted my ass and did what I could to get this job. So yeah, 
Well, Dispensary 33 has been operating as a medical marijuana dispensary since December of 2015. How was Andersonville chosen as the location, and what was it like to receive that initial permitting to sell? Uh, you know, I think, I mean, Andersonville was definitely chosen because, I mean, that we think that the, like, sort of part of Andersonville, like the, how can I describe it? Like, it still has a lot of its sort of original soul, you know, whereas a lot of parts of, I think, of Chicago, like, become very populated and popular or whatever. We always thought that Andersonville retained a very sort of Chicago feel, so to speak, you know. And just we love the area and sort of the life around there and, you know, things such as like a very sort of good chamber of commerce and things like that really help with like the getting to know the area from our perspective in terms of like going to different block clubs and, and the aldermen and the chamber. Um, so it really all kind of congealed together and just being like finding the particular property that we were at at 5001 um, really just helped us to, you know, choose Andersonville as a, a really good spot to be in, you know. Um yeah, and tell us a little bit more about the facility itself. It's it's beautiful on the outside. It's very well done design-wise. Can you talk about the process of of kind of laying out the store and what that looked like? Yeah, sure. We worked with um, uh, uh, Vero Design um, on the sort of uh, building and architecture of it, um, uh, as well as um, uh, Perimeter Architects, who you know provided the architecture drawings and things like that. Um, and then a lot of the um, sort of internal design or um, maybe some of the logoing was done by like Bob Faust, who was a designer that helped us with uh, some of our initial look and everything like that. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the internal, uh, how we sort of um, built our dispensary out was to, you know, of course, be beautiful. And we also wanted to present the product in a way that was um you know, worthy of it, so to speak, right? Like, uh, we definitely hold the product up on high, and so we wanted to present it in a beautiful way. So it, um, displaying the product became very, very important, although very, very difficult because of the sort of Illinois laws and strictness of it. But um, we've managed to find a way to display everything that we sell um, uh, as closely as possible to resembling the product that you're going to get um, and also trying to explain as much of it as we can with, like, placards and descriptions uh, that are all made in-house. Um, and, you know, the design of the place is always changing. We've added uh, a, a large display on the north wall in terms of for non-cannabis and uh, shirts and other in glass and things like that. Um, and so it's always changing, um, but it's it, you know, it's always a process to continually try to expand the amount of products you can, you can show and sell. Um, but it really was um, like a group effort from all those pieces coming together to try and describe like, a singular goal of like a beautifully displayed dispensary. Yeah. And I believe when you opened, um, you the because it's a medicinal facility and because of the regulations, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the signage and the window, which is so nicely done, but um, had to kind of be put up to enable some privacy. And um, does that change when you become a facility that sells recreational cannabis? Are you allowed to like take those films and the windows down? Uh, the regulations? No, actually. No. <laughs> no okay. No. I was just curious. Those yeah. regulations, no. They they stay in place, especially for us. We don't shed our medical side. It's sure. actually two licenses, so we we obtain both. So um, we will always service um, the medical community and always have that strong sort of tint to us as well. Um, so pa patient privacy is still an issue and things like that. 
Um, as far as new dispensaries or recreational ones, they they will have, um, I don't know if it's a separate set of rules, you know, but they will be handled slightly differently because they are recreational. Um, but for us in particular, our, our tinting has to remain in place, you know, to protect privacy. And as we enter this new year of pot sales, what do you anticipate the first few months to be like? We hear there's a concern for high demand and uh, weed shortage. How do you look to to that? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I think that there's going to be a spike in demand, right? Because you're going to have so many new customers coming in all at once. And so it's going to be difficult to service everybody at the same time, so to speak, right? And so you're going to have, you know, perhaps shortages on, on particular items and things like that. But in in Illinois, I think it has a really good chance at um, rebounding from any kind of hit on the supply because of the facilities that create them are so large and they are uh, very well organized and they are seeking to expand all the time and are currently doing so, I'm sure. And so I think you have this really good uh, sort of network of different cultivators that are able to you know, expand product, make more product, and are planning to do so for next year already on a heightened level. So um, I, I do think that, yes, in the beginning you may see, you know, um, I mean, certain products will just may be difficult to get, right? Um, and, you know, only for a short time until some of those supply runs are able to actually increase over time, you know, which I think is going to be a lot shorter than people think. I really can't put a time stamp on it, but, you know, I would think it's going to be within, you know, weeks to months when you'll start to see, you know, more supply come in. And how many clients do you currently serve as a medical marijuana dispensary? Uh, we have a potential patient base of thousands. It's, I don't know the actual number. I think we have around um, like 3,300 patients at the dispensary right now. So those are medical card holders who are registered with us. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but it's hard to say how many people are going to be coming out in 2020. I think the total patient count in the state is what, 70,000? I know that the amount of people who have gotten their cards in Illinois is over 80,000, but those could include people who got their cards in 2015 and Mm. didn't renew, but that's like the total number. So I don't know Mm. how many active patients there are right now. And in terms of um, kind of illness or reasons why people come to the dispensary, what have you seen kind of as the most kind of common case that people want um, pot treatment people for? People come in for a lot of different reasons um, or they get certified for different reasons. There's like over 40 qualifying conditions in Illinois that you can receive your certification from your doctor for. Um, but we find like chronic, having chronic, three young sons, one of those. Yes. <laughs> Does Absolutely. that qualify as chronic, chronic pain? <laughs> if, the, if the symptom is insanity, then yes. <laughs> See you January 1st. Yes, right? <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, we do find that like people will have different conditions, but they use cannabis in their lives to treat a lot of the same things like that anxiety and you know, living with a chronic illness, like just you're living with the chronic anxiety that, you know, of your well-being. Um, and so people use it for that or the medications that they're taking are really harsh on their body. And it's a way to just improve their functionality and like ease and like management of their life. Um, so yeah. there are like over 45 qualifying conditions, but we find that a lot of people use cannabis for a lot of the same reasons. Those are just their ways to get in the program is the condition that they have. Yeah. I think I think cannabis is a um, 
you know, it's a symptom-based medicine. So, you know, when you think of it in that sense, um, it's not tied to any particular disease, right? Like, um, and, and that is one of the weird things with, with you know, saying, oh, you have to have these diseases in order to use cannabis medically because it's, um, it's you know, symptom-based medicine. So, like, you can have multiple diseases exhibit the same symptom. So, you know, uh, one of the new symptoms that are, uh, are, one of the new conditions you can have is called chronic pain that's going to be on the list. Um, and because of that, um, you know, that can, obviously, that can come from literally anything, right? And because cannabis is symptom-based, I, I find that, like Abigail was saying, um, there are so many things, even such things like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but like uh, stress or boredom and things are honestly very, very difficult things to deal with for many people. Uh, a lot of people use other substances to deal with these things. Um, and cannabis just happens to be one of the very most healthy things to deal with one of those things, right? And so um, I do think it is quite healthy to, to use cannabis all the time. Um, and even in you know, instances where people wouldn't think that, you know, kind of laugh, like, oh, you know, I got three kids and it's not killing me. But, you know, I know a lot of people with three kids that do drink like every day. Right. And that's something that's a really, really serious aspect that, you know, I think cannabis, uh, when when society looks at cannabis differently, it can really start to change the way that that society grows and uses that plant. You know, so um, I'm really excited for sort of the, that change, most of all. It's interesting to think of it as kind of this like cultural change for people who have been ingrained to believe one thing about something for so long. And sure. it's just like shifting, you know, for our entire city and our entire state uh, on like just January 1st <laughs> tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to folks who think that it might be a slippery slope into drug use or addiction? Hmm. <laughs> well, I would... You know, I would say that I think addiction is complicated and that I wouldn't, I mean, in my limited perspective would say that it's, you know, if, if somebody slips into an addiction, it's probably due to many different factors, right? So just exposing someone to a substance, which happens all the time, I think um, is not enough to make somebody fall into an addiction, you know? So I think we also just asked you the hardest question that's ever been asked on the history of this podcast. So you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. Um, I think it's really, you know, it's, um, you know, personally, I think society needs to redefine the word addiction and what it means. Um, but I do think that cannabis in, you know, when we look at in particular with opioids, which is one of the worst problems in the country in terms of um, people abusing it, in terms of people dying from it, um, and then you look at cannabis and its ability to really help. I mean, I think I literally opened a letter today from somebody who is on our compassion care program where essentially we give um, people who are really in need at the shop 1% um, uh, back, which equates to $240 uh, every month in cannabis to use as medicine. And they get onto the program for six months and it's a wait list and then they get thrown back on again when their time is back up. And somebody had said that because they started using cannabis because of the program, they were able to, like, in the letter, kick all opioids and pain prescription medicines um, because they found the items that really worked for them. So they had replaced all of that, you know, with cannabis. And um, they were just so grateful in the letter, you know, in terms of, like, being able to find that medicine that I think that's a really important aspect um, to look at in that I think cannabis can actually help with many addictions.
you know, in terms of being able to, you know, give them relief in a different way without having to rely on a pill. Um, and it's something that people have been doing for like literally like thousands of years. So um, it's sort of anecdotally proven to be quite safe. You know? I think also I'd encourage those people people to just like come in to the dispensary and like check it out and talk to us and you know come in have a conversation I think they'll find like our we call our staff bud tenders they're kind of like pharmacist bartenders but for cannabis like because they're like very professional but they're very hip and fun to talk to and they know like, a lot. can really comprehensively and speak they take about on cannabis that, like therapist role like, right and they, some they bartenders do, I mean, do. Not, I mean kind of like you know and people like to talk <laughs> Um, and it's it's a space where people are openly talking about something that they've never felt like they can before and so it does kind of feel like this special place but yeah i just encourage anyone to come in and talk to us well i know i mean for those reasons and probably so many more your team at dispensary 33 was very active in advocating for the legalization of marijuana in the state of illinois and i think governor pritzker was on site at the dispensary when he announced his support of taking this path Mm -hmm. Um, towards legalization in Illinois. And it's a big deal in our state that it was done for the first time ever in the country legislatively um, and and not by a vote. So um, can you just speak to that entire process and maybe like uh, something that was learned or kind of taken away from your team at Dispensary 33 of being part of that process and such such a big change for our state and our city? Yeah, I mean, I was... I mean, it was a really big honor to host, you know, Governor Pritzker at our place when he made that announcement. It was a real proud moment for us to sort of stand behind that kind of movement. Uh, in terms of like speaking on how the process was like, for from my perspective, operationally, like we just really tried to be like you know, the best dispensary that we could, right? In terms of like um, giving people like a a, a good experience, um, knowing as much about the plan as we can, up to current research you know, really knowing what is going on and like what the products are made of, what it is, you know, and, and being, uh, in a sense, like, you know, they're gurus in terms of like this new product that's available to them. And I think because of that, a lot of people were able to, to find, I mean, I, I think the program has been so like, it's done very well, you know, in terms over the last four years, like you barely see any real problems with it, you know? And so I think every dispensary and every cultivator that, sort of made that effort to keep on going through, even though it was not always that popular, you know, or like, you know, a lot of nobody knew about it. There was not that many, you know, customers or patients. Uh, Those were like, you know, difficult times, you know. Um, And I think all the businesses that sort of made it uh, work over four years and like you just see no problems with the program, you know. Um, Overall, it's just super successful. So from my perspective, that was the best way we could have done to uh, sort of like, you know, a lot of outreach and let people know that, hey, this is really helping people. Look at all these people in here. There are people too. Because, um, you know, Chicago definitely had this criminality element for the cannabis for a long, long time. Um, and so overcoming those kind of stigmas was an important part, I think, uh, to bring this to a feasible sort of thing for the city and, and the state. And just because pot becomes legal, it doesn't mean that it's unregulated. The Illinois cannabis industry is designed to grow gradually and marijuana you know, will still be limited to purchasers over 21 and there's still some purchase limits. Can you talk about that? And can you, can you talk about, you know, the areas that people can smoke marijuana and use marijuana? It's not for public kind of consumption in parks and open areas, correct? 
Yeah, so anyone 21 plus will be able to come in and they'll show their valid ID um, and then they'll be able to come in and like consult with one of our bud tenders and make a purchase. Um, from there, they're supposed to consume in a private space. So that can be like their apartment or home, like at their residence. Um, their backyard is included in that. I'm, there's still a debate on front porches. I'm, I'm not totally clear, but, um, because, I, but I'm not sure why, but, um, mm-hmm. and so places like, um, that will like the sidewalk and restaurants, they still fall under the smoke free Illinois act. Um, and so because it doesn't discriminate just cigarettes or vaping, it's just all smoking, um, in the public way. Um, and so really like their, their home, um, and like assisted living homes and like public housing also are not going to allow consumption of cannabis on site because they like some public housing might be federally owned or it's a public building, city owned building. Um, I'm same with assisted living homes. So really just any private space or residence. And they, they define a lot of places you can't smoke, which is like anywhere near a school, anywhere like you can't have open product in like a vehicle, right? So like DUI is very fully still around, you know, so you should never smoke in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, you can transport it in your car, but it has to be like out of the, you know, uh, ability of the driver to like, like use the stuff or open it or something like that. So in your trunk is the best place or like your glove compartment, I guess, you know, out of reach, you know. Um, and you know, you knowingly can't smoke around anyone who is under 21. Um, so that, you know, parks and such and things like that is automatically going to devoid any place like that where there's children present. So you should just avoid all those areas, you know? Um, and then there's always talk about like consumption lounges and things like that, that might pop up. There's nothing specific at all. And there's no information that I know of out there yet, but I would expect that the city would provide this because, you know, there's so much tourism and, Colorado had the same problem as well of like, you know, you're not allowed to smoke in your hotel. You're not allowed to smoke outside. Like, where do you, where do you consume, you know? Um, so I think that a consumption lounge is sort of like an elegant way to, you know, sort of bring new business and, and, uh, to the community while still allowing people to consume cannabis. Yeah. I was in a briefing last week, um, from the mayor's office with a bunch of our colleagues from other chambers of commerce and, they uh, talked about how the consumption license is kind of the next step to figure that out and that there's a team at the city working on um, looking at what that would look like yeah. and hoping to roll that out in the next year too. So mm-hmm. something, you know, to look forward to it. I think that they made the point I thought was really interesting of like, this is the first time in a really long time or just, a, a you know, it's kind of a big deal that a brand new industry is being in- introduced um, in a new way. And so there's a lot of things to figure out. So I feel like, you know, things are going to continue to change and it'll be exciting to see what's down the road. So dispensaries, dispensaries will be able to have consumption lounges. It's just unclear, like if any will, because I think existing dispensaries that are going to get their rec license, like they're going to want to make use of all their space that they have already. But, um, it's possible that recreational dispensaries will include consumption lounges in their plans, which I think, yeah, that would be a great way to have a sense of community too, a sense of, you know, if we're bringing in tourists and people from out of state to like contribute to the Illinois economy, they should have a space that they're able to consume it. Um, uh, yeah, right. Cause consumption lounge is like, like the first time I went to Amsterdam, it's like, it's so cool, right? <laughs> like that's like why Amsterdam is dope, you know? And so to bring that 
sort of feel to like America. So like when you go to like Northern California to like uh, Barbary Coast um, or Magnolia, which are which have consumption lodges on site, like it's a it's definitely more of a community feeling, you know, like because these are, you know, in in California it's a it's very popularized there, right? So like the community is deep and rich and strong there, you know, of of cannabis users, but like in Illinois, like to have identity here is you're very underground you know because it's been underground this whole time so um consumption lounger consumption lounge further perpetuates this ability for the community to actually get together right and actually celebrate and and consume legally which is really all they've wanted for as long as i've been alive you know and can you talk about product limits like someone can't just go in and have a shopping bag buy a shopping bag full Mm -hmm. of marijuana Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the um, purchase limits are different for patients, Illinois residents, and like out of state. Um, so anyone 21, whether they're from Illinois or not, will be able to come in and purchase cannabis. Um, but if you are not from a res- an Illinois resident, then you'll be able to purchase 15 grams, um, which is, is around the equivalent of... 15 grams? That's like a half. Yeah, so it's like a half ounce. So yeah. like that would be so like generally like um, edibles are packaged in like hundred milligram packaging, which can be divided into like if it's a chocolate bar, it'll have like different like it'll break off into different doses. Um, and so and one chocolate bar that's a hundred milligrams would be the equivalent equivalent of one gram. So, I mean, so that would equal fifteen grams. Well, yes. Right. Are we talking about medical? I'm talking about purchase limits. Purchase limits. So I think maybe it's like we should restart milligram. this. Yeah. So how many chocolate bars? Can you get? <laughs> right. I'm like trying to do yeah. that because sometimes. And are these Wonka like... bars? Because uh, the the edible limits are, I think, it's five hundred milligram. milligrams. That's right. about five edibles, but like you know, edibles 15. can come in twenty-five milligram, right? So then you could buy, you know, what four times like twenty of those, right? Um, but yes, there this is. Would be like the state has this weird thing where you have an allocation. And so every product that gets sold has, a it takes away from that allocation. For flour, it's just simple weight to weight, right? One gram is one gram, you know, and you start with 70 if you're a medical patient, right? It's about two and a half ounces of product. But, you know, it's not equivalent in like, say, a cartridge, which is, you know, essentially like this orange goo looking stuff, right? What they call oil, but it's not really an oil. But um, that has a actual calculation that they use the laboratory result of THC to find. And so it may be, you know, one gram and maybe five, six grams, you know, but that's all in the state system that actually like tells us that, you know. So, you know, roughly they could buy about a half ounce. They could buy about five different edibles and they could probably buy how many? Several. I feel like this is like, my seventh grader's math problem right now. <laughs> totally. It yeah. is. Jimmy walks into a dispensary. Absolutely. Walks yeah, out. January 1st, they're going to have to change the textbook. Yeah. <laughs> it's no longer two trains leave from New York yeah, City. Yeah, 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 yeah. One going 125 yeah. miles per hour. Katie and Jane Who walk into a dispensary. <laughs> I think you're onto something, Laura. Hey. So, fun. yeah, the patient limits or the purchasing limits is 15 grams for out of state, 30 grams for Illinois residents. And then a patient's allotment is is um, like seventy two. It's two point five ounces every two weeks, which comes out to around seventy two grams. So, how that breaks down into like how many edibles you can buy, how much flour you can buy, is all different. But that's like what they can purchase. Mm-hmm. Need like a marijuana. I think also, you do the math. <laughs> I was also gonna say it needs to be like you know you're supposed to eat 
vegetables on your plate that are, <laughs> that are the yeah. size the of your hand pyramid of right. <laughs> or like this is what the state of michigan the looks like like i feel like groups. i need a reference where i'm like it can be as big as my thumb <laughs> 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 yeah i guess the everything is determined by lab result in illinois it's like one of the advantages of the legalized system so they, they based a lot of how how much you could buy is based upon lab results which is like very different you know than a lot of places would just use straight you know weights or something like that so yes it is a little weird to get used to but it's kind of all calculated automatically you know and so like what you know like a good person an agent that works there for us would would let you know you know ahead of time like okay you can buy this this is how much left is in your sort of allotment so to speak Mm -hmm. so it's quite easy it's invisible to most customers like they will never notice it at all well let's talk about the product itself Marijuana is typically smoked, and that variety is the most popular item among recreational consumers. But there are also edible chocolates, as we talked about, cookies, gummies, and cannabis-infused patches. Can you speak more about your product line and what you might recommend to the first-time pot user? First-time cannabis user, um, so they've never used cannabis before? Never. history? Never? Never. Why are they using it now? Um, Headaches. Headaches. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you want to target or just because it's legal. Okay. So so maybe just yeah. use it for fun. Yeah, fun. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun is easy, right? <laughs> fun is fun is really easy. Mom's you know. night out. <laughs> okay. Great. How old is mom? Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Twenty one. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, you know, I think uh, smoking cannabis is generally our uh, preferred method, right? Because you're guaranteed to use everything on the plant. You know, you're burning everything such as terpenes and cannabinoids that are found in it. Um, It is like sort of the traditional and cleanest way to use cannabis generally from a clean bowl or a smoke joint. Um, And it's tried and true, right? Like it's going to work. Um, The effect is going to be immediate. Uh, That means, uh, you know, like smoking too much or what, you know, what people might call cannabis overdose where you get like, you know, really paranoid and maybe overly hungry or overly tired that's when you smoke too much, right? And like when you are smoking it, it's easy to find out um, how, like basically the full effect is gonna be within 15 minutes, right? So like, you know, you can take a couple of hits and then like, you know, stop for 15 minutes and you're not going to continually get higher, right? So it's easily dosable, right? Um, And that's generally how we would, you know, so I would offer this person like a small little joint to begin with. Um, If they, a lot of people don't like to smoke, um, in which case you could now vaporize uh, cannabis extracts, which is quite easy to do and you know easily available via cartridge and a battery. Uh, and if they don't want any kind of inhalation at all, then then we would go edible. And I would probably recommend something that was um, the important thing with edibles is dosage. And uh, because it's their first time, it's very difficult to find out what their dosage is. So we'd probably recommend they start relatively small, something like five to ten milligrams. And then gauge it off of that. I would not tell them to eat any more that night. You would gauge your experience off of that one night. And even if you didn't feel anything, that's good because it's helping us gauge where we're at. Like 10 milligrams, you felt literally nothing. So double it up. You know, go full 25 and see how that affects you. Um, and it, cannabis is so safe that you can absolutely titrate like that yourself. Nothing will happen. The worst, like I said, could happen is like maybe overly sleepy, overly hungry, maybe some paranoia. So if you don't want to follow your whole 30 plan anymore, you may have smoked too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, 
And so, like, if you are, <laughs> or like you're just human, January one resolution. Yeah, right. You got to put it all right? together. Yeah. But yeah, I, de- you know, I generally go down that progression. But like, you know, it's it's dosing is the most important thing, just like everything else. You know, like you don't you you want to do what's comfortable for you. Um, and if you are doing it for like just fun or something like that, you know, I think a little joint is very easy to have a, you know, several hours of a pretty good sort of cerebral high or psychological high. Mm-hmm. And we have this question, you know, does marijuana go bad? So if I go in and I buy it and I'm nervous and I don't want it and it sits in my underwear drawer, <laughs> for lack of a better hiding place. Um, <laughs> and, but then like six months later, or a year later, I'm like, I'm ready now and I pull it out can will it still be good or or should I yeah. at that point go back and try again you could still smoke it it won't go bad it just mm. will degrade over time yeah. so it'll be a little less potent it might not taste as good it might be just not as like good of an experience it might be like harsher in your throat because yeah. it's dried out um, oxygen degrades THC so generally you want to keep it in like an airtight container and like, I mean, underwear drawers, perfect, you know, mm-hmm. like no light, there's an, um, but, um, so it won't go bad. It just won't be as fresh. It won't taste as good. It might, you might need to smoke more of it because the, the yeah. THC is degraded a little bit. You might get a little sleepy too, sleepier too. It'll degrade down the CBN. So I think your THC, your experience will change with it. You know, it's like buying any kind of like, herb or something like it's just going to lose a lot of its uh, potency or smell and in cannabis like the smell is its potency it's related to it because the smell is coming from terpene which is going to affect its overall sort of feeling Um, so when you buy cannabis that's really fresh and cured well it is terpene rich so those terpenes have quite an effect on you as you go over time terpene is a you know volatile organic compound which will just dissolve off into the air so you are literally losing effect over time uh, Abigail said the THC will degrade down, so it will become less potent. It'll be more harsh to smoke. It'll have an effect on you, though. You know that's for sure. It'll but, just yeah. be more like that college grade Kush. That you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> six months is probably a little too long. You know, yeah. But you know, like at the shop, we vacuum seal everything. So if you further did that, you could preserve it for much longer periods of time. I think. Yeah. So and then it becomes six months is not a out of the question kind of thing. So Dispensary 33 has organized a festival the past couple of years called the Waldo Festival, and it's been on or around April 20th, also known as 420, a pot-friendly holiday. Um, the event has drawn 6,000 participants, and we're just curious what plans there are for Waldo Fest 2020 um, and where this idea came from. Um, so I think the Waldo's Forever Fest came, it kind of came from, um, I'm not sure if it's an urban legend or just like a story about how 420 originated. There were like a group of high schoolers where after school they would, um, smoke together and they, it fell around the same time every day. Like after school, you know, you go home or, you know, whatever you meet at the meeting spot at 420. So then it kind of just became their code of like, they would say 420, 420. And then they would meet at this wall at 420, and then they called themselves the Waldos. And so it kind of just became like a I cultural. I never knew any of this. this yeah. Is, <laughs> this is <laughs> kind of a great story. Urban yeah. legend, but yeah. also might be lore. true. I'm not no, sure. If it was like 315 like 20 it years be ago, cool. or like 10 years ago, right. <laughs> I think it was yeah. in California back, in the, yeah. back yeah. in the day. I'm not sure when. the eyes of March. So you kind of have to like think ahead. What's 314 is Pi Day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. 
but <laughs> so that's kind of that's how the the name Waldo's Forever Fest originated, and then it also just became a way. You know, four twenties are, you know, it's our it's the cannabis holiday. holiday. It's right. um, and so it's like our biggest sale of the year. Um, we have a lot of people coming out, and so really the first year was a way to like entertain our patients and like to come out and like enjoy some time outside in the sunshine instead of waiting in line. Mm-hmm. That's pretty boring. Um, and so we started the Waldos Forever Fest and then it just kept growing. And even people who weren't our patients, but just wanted to be part of this cannabis community in Chicago came out. And so last year we drew like 6,000 people and we had comedians, we had drag shows, we had like music going on, food trucks, like big Frida was a big, yeah, big Big Frida. Frida. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 She, she twerked her way on stage. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But then also like tents for cultivators to for people who like might not have their card and like are curious about cannabis or getting their card or like what products are in a dispensary um like they were able to talk to the cultivators who are the people who like grow the plant and like extract the products and like make the edibles um so it's just a way to like open it up for people to come out and enjoy the fest and celebrate the day and like learn about the product too Mm. yeah and have a good good time like it was a lot of fun yeah yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. It was so many more people than I thought would come. But yeah, originally it was a, a big way for our patients to have pl- some place to hang out, you know. And and really, uh, we worked in conjunction with the Cannabis Alliance to to make that happen, along with um, Do Three One Two. So and yeah, it just it's so big now that it's it's just really fun to see everybody come out. So yeah, you know, I wonder if Rec will be somewhat similar you know, and the kind of feeling, um, because it, yeah, it is celebratory that day very much for us. And let's just talk about tomorrow real quick, January 1st. What time do your doors open? What can people expect? Where should people line up if there's a line? Well, 9 a.m. is the plan. Uh, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on January 1st will be open. You know, we, we're not planning on having a line. We're actually planning on using a, sort of like a texting app service to sort of, um, you know, just like a restaurant would use a, a paging service. Um, we're going to be using a similar thing. So we'll get your number and then please go warm up somewhere as we, you know, text you. And then we sort of give you like a grace period to come back, you know, but uh, in a reasonable amount of time so that, you know, we need to service people as fast as we can. But uh, we did a very similar thing on 420 and it worked phenomenally so we expect a a similar kind of um, turnout and expectation of dispersing a line as best we can you know and servicing people as fast as we can but if you like lines if you like lines you can come outside you come right outside there's there will be a line i'm sure Um, (laughs) we will have heaters out that day and things like that to make it as comfortable we have two places we're, uh, yeah so we're gonna have here. um <laughs> so like me. sofo tap and like local businesses are gonna be um open that day um we're gonna have sort of like events inside sofo tap and meeting house like i think sofo's doing um like they're gonna be playing a bunch of like cannabis related or themed movies throughout the day and do some cannabis themed trivia at night um dark matter is donating some coffee um, we're going to have like coupons for local businesses. So if you if your text says it's going to be 30 minutes or 20 minutes, you can grab a coffee down the street um, or like Meeting House is also down the street and will be open. Um, but the idea is to have like 
the line be virtual so like they're texting and then they can go stay somewhere warm because it's january 1st and maybe watch dates and confused watch dates and confused watch cheech and chong yeah it's true Um, that's overconsumption Not if you not encourage the right amount. Yes. <laughs> Dosage. Find out with our bud tenders how to dose correctly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people are going to come out. They're just going to be coming, celebrating. Maybe some will come later in the day because they're a little hungover from their New Year's Eve festivities. But and they need a yep. little hangover remedy. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. That, We're excited. Do that January first. Yes. That's true. Well, I'm sure we'll have many Anderson Mill businesses that will come on the show in 2020 and say they want to trade places with Dispensary 33. <laughs> um, for, but for this show, um, we always ask our guests, which Anderson Mill business you would like to trade places with for a day? Ooh. That's a good one. Wow. I really like um, Hop Leaf. I've been going there for so long. And like I remember when they opened and you couldn't get in. and like, It was like you had to wait forever to get a spot because it became so popular. Um, so I just really love the way they do it. I love their food, their selection of sort of um, drinks and and what you can like sort of eat there and the atmosphere. I think it all works amazing. So I love that place. So, hop leaf. Mm, trade places with. I love Redmond's Coffee. I am I go there at least like four or five times a week. Um, but I think I would be a terrible barista, so... <laughs> Maybe I don't want to trade places with them, but I just want to be there all the time. <laughs> it was such a great South of Foster plug. <laughs> what do you like the to get be- there? Um, cappuccino or a chai latte with an espresso shot in it. Um, sometimes a nice vanilla latte in the summer. Yeah. They have good Their pastries chai is there really too. good. It's really good. Yeah, they have pastries are delicious there. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Abigail and Paul, for joining us today and enduring my bad jokes. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Dispensary 33, please visit dispensary33.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org. 